Coming up on today's show, we preview the big Thursday night matchup between the Browns and the Jets, and we announce the winner of week two of our DraftKings Fantasy League, who came out on top and pick them, and we reveal our locks of the week for week three. We're going to talk to former Pro Bowl center Nick Mangold about life as a retired offensive lineman, the rebirth of his former teammate Ryan Fitzmagic Fitzpatrick, and of course, Urban Meyer, and other hot topics from around the NFL where Nick is going to spout many, many hot takes. You're not going to want to miss that one. And finally, we preview everything you'll want to look for in week three, including the matchups we're most looking forward to watching, the drama in Pittsburgh, and the debut of Flash Gordon as a Patriot. All that and much, much more coming up on the Tomahawk Show. Welcome, everybody, to the Tomahawk Show, presented by Uninterrupted. I am your co-host, Andrew Hawkins, joined, as always, by my guy, Joe. Joe, how you doing today, bro? Well, I tell you what, I, I have been better, Hawk. I've had a very, very stressful three days. Mm. Let me tell you why, all right? Yeah, so, I was positive you were going to. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> thank you. Thank you for opening the floor of me for my rant, rant of the day. And here's my rant of the day, right? So, really, since I moved to Wisconsin this summer, um, but especially since I had my baby about two weeks ago, I've been living and breathing coffee, right? I'm like a caffeine addict. I shake when I don't have it. That's all I think about. The, the last thing I think about before I go to bed when I'm rocking that baby up against my bosom is what is that coffee going to taste like first thing in the morning? And so I'm always thinking about and dreaming about that coffee. Well, my very, very expensive, it's almost $2,000 Mila coffee maker. It makes espresso, cappuccino, mm. frappuccino, macchiato, blah, 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 espressiato, well, mama, <laughs> mia. It makes whatever you want. It, it gives you a reach around if you ask it. <laughs> it is the greatest thing since sliced bread. I love this thing. I give it a hug every morning and I tuck it in before I go to bed. And let me tell you what, it broke three days ago. It got some type of bug on the inside and it just doesn't work. And so I've been trying to fix it. I've spent hours and hours trying to fix it. I just got off the phone with tech support. I spent over an hour talking to somebody on tech support, trying to walk me through reprogramming this thing so it works. And you know what? They couldn't do it. They, they, fi they finally gave me a number and said, you know what? Why don't you call this number? And then we'll see if there's anything we can do right. So I call the number. Uh, fast forward, they ended up calling me back right at the beginning of the taping of the show, worst uh -huh. timing ever, and said, we can't fix your machine. We're going to send you a new one, but it's going to take 10 business days. And I'm thinking, two weeks? Are you kidding me to get coffee? So I'm really not sure what I'm going to do in the meantime. I might have to have Hawk give me a loan, and I might just go ahead and buy another coffee machine for those uh, two weeks that I'm going to be without coffee because I'm not sure that I can actually survive that long. So you know what? It has been a really stressful week, and I, I really just need to blow off some steam, and I'm, that's why I'm really happy that the Tomahawk Show is recording right now. As we've been doing this show, two things have stuck out to me. One is you have way too much money to handle all the things that you handle. You should hire <laughs> way more people. And two, you just have too much money in general, and you bore us and our, your listeners with your rich people problems because we don't have that much money we don't know what it's like to have a two thousand dollar coffee maker and as a matter of fact i'm gonna bring in uh natty ice here because natty is how old are you natty 24 okay so you're 24 and 24 i was poor when i was 24 i'm poor and i'm 32 so by mm -hmm. contrast natty give us a poor people problem that us regular people have as as opposed to our seventeen thousand dollar coffee maker not working <laughs> 
So yes, I am a poor person. I also just finished school last year, so I'm very, very poor. You know, Joe, you have a problem with your coffee maker. I had a problem even just getting coffee this morning. So I went to Starbucks, right? And I'm thinking, perfect, I'm going to get my morning coffee. I get there. I have some cash on me and I order a regular medium roast coffee and the total comes out to like two forty-five or something. And I have $2 and no change. So I couldn't even get my morning coffee this morning. So that is my poor person problem. So sorry about your beautiful fancy coffee maker that Oh, well, there's a lot of cups here. Hang on, hang on. How many cups of coffee she can get with that two thousand dollars you spent on that yeah, coffee maker? Yeah, hang on. The first thing is the reason you're poor. It's not because you're young or that you just finished school. It's because <laughs> you go to Starbucks every morning and buy five dollar coffees. You can't get a napkin for two dollars in Starbucks. So don't tell me about how poor you are. You have to go to a Starbucks. All right. So that's my beef. If you would just buy a coffee maker and spend that money up front, you know it's a fixed cost that you probably weren't. An economics major in college is the fixed cost versus a variable cost. You go to Starbucks every day, that's your variable cost. <laughs> fixed cost, you buy the coffee maker, 2000 bucks. It's supposed to work for 20 years. It's like two cents per coffee, and I'm going to drink the crap out of the coffee. So anyways, that's, not, that's why this has been a tough week for me. Not to cut off this lecture from the Carl Nassib School of Financial Literacy, <laughs> but for everybody listening, you can make sure you interact with the show using the hashtag Tomahawk. Follow us on social media at Tomahawk Show. We're killing it per usual with the meme game. And we really appreciate all the followers that we've been able to gain and, and the listeners of the show who interact with us because it, it makes our week because we are so washed up that all we do is focus on our Twitter accounts. So we appreciate that. But the first thing we're going to get into is the Browns play the Jets tonight. And we got to talk about a preview for this game. We won't belabor it and, and go too heavy on it, but I will say that I'm predicting a Browns win. And if they don't win tonight, it will be the last prediction I will make for the Browns mm. for the 2018 season. Mm -hmm. I, I can't have my heart broken anymore and also be made fun of on social media because I'm fragile. <laughs> yeah, man. I, the, I tell you what, since training camp started, the Browns have been the center of the NFL universe. First, they were on hard knocks. Then it's all sorts of drama with uh, Big Bob Wiley being the, the hero of Hard Knocks. And then Josh Gordon news. Josh oh, Gordon traded to the Patriots. Dude, I tell you what, if, uh, if the Browns were getting paid by how much they were in the news, this team would be worth more than the Dallas Cowboys because mm. they are all over the place right now. I agree. We didn't even talk about the – we talked about Gordon – being released or let go or that news, we didn't talk about him to the Patriots. So yeah. that's my other former team. And that's like where the, the high points of my illustrious career was with, you know, me and Tom Brady at practice. He called me Bubs one time, which Bubs. is was one of the highlights. Okay, good catch, Bubs. Is that an acronym for something? I don't know. That's his thing. He just calls people Bubs. I think it's like a term of endearment yeah. for his wideouts. And Did I got he kiss it one you time. on the lips? No, he didn't. Would I have let him? Mm. I don't know. <laughs> if you threw a couple touchdowns, maybe. Hypotheticals get you in trouble. Yeah. Um, hey, I got a question. Did did the Patriots call you about Gordon? I mean, you know Josh Gordon almost as well as anybody, and obviously you're, you had your Super Bowl career with uh, the Patriots. Um, yes. Did they call you? You know what? That's a good question. Um, this is me buying time to figure out the right answer. <laughs> so are you trying to conceal something? So no, I, did, they, did they call you, ask for information, and pay you not to say anything about it? You know what? I'm just going to plead the fifth. I'm not going to say they did or they didn't. The Patriots did not call me. I will say that. The New England Patriots did not call me. Did okay. I talk to somebody 
this weekend. Yes. All right, you talk to Tom Brady. We get it. Could it be my mother? Could it be my wife? Maybe. (laughs) All I'm going to say is the New England Patriots did not call me. I did not talk to them. All right, all right. Well, hey, Josh Gordon, New England Patriots, fifth-round pick. Do you think that was the appropriate draft pick to trade for a talent like Josh Gordon? Yes, I think they got away with the steal, especially the way the deal is done. Oh, so you think it was too low of a draft pick? Yeah, for what they're getting. Because you look at it this way, and everyone, I get receivers go there and it doesn't work out. Obviously, if anybody knows that, it's me. But the difference between Josh Gordon and anybody else is that he's better than anybody else. With the exception of Randy Moss, they haven't acquired a receiver with what Josh brings to the table, which is he doesn't need to do much. If, he, if they just say, hey, run deep 15 times a game and Tom throws four of them, it will help their offense because he's a guy that he needs paid attention to. And on top of that, he has a very good likelihood of catching whatever ball Tom throws because Tom is super accurate and Josh is faster, more athletic, and better than anybody he's playing against, much like Randy. So it's a good pickup for the Patriots. Yeah. Do you think Josh Gordon is going to succeed in the Patriots way system? I mean, he's a guy that was not able to succeed when he was given unlimited chances with Cleveland. He was given all sorts of structure to help him try to show up on time and to shake his addiction issues. And he just wasn't able to do it time and time again. Do you think with additional discipline structure, maybe in, in, and, uh, some success because honestly he's probably going to have personal and team success in new England. Do you think that will kind of fill him up and allow him to maybe stop filling himself up with some of the addiction issues that he has, and he's going to be able to feel fulfilled with his life in the football and the the winning that's probably going to happen in new England. Yeah. I don't know if the football would be enough to fulfill him from an addiction standpoint. I, I just consider those two things separate. Like, nothing in football is going to help him on that side of it. He has to continue on the track he's on. He has to get better with and taking football out of the equation. One thing I will say that I think will bode well for him in New England is that, you know, Josh. Josh was more of a, I don't want to call him a follower, but he is influenced by his surroundings, right? So I feel like if he's around certain players, if he's looking up to certain players, he is going to kind of go along with that track in New England there is a very specific way of doing things. It is very one-track minded there. People come in super early. They have competitions to see who can get there early enough, and they have competitions to see who will stay late enough. They lift constantly. They squat four times a week. Like, everything there is football, football, football. And I just think when he gets there, he is going to assimilate into that culture, and it's going to be pay crazy dividends for the New England Patriots, which, which us as Browns guys – it's going to hurt her heart a little bit to see, but I, I'm, I'm going to be equally as excited for Josh and his life and hopefully, you know, watching his football career get back on track with the best quarterback to ever pick up the pigskin. Well, it'll certainly be fun to watch. Uh, you know, one thing that's for certain with Josh Gordon's career is it was never boring. There was never a moment in Josh Gordon's career in Cleveland and now in New England that's been boring. So uh, for his sake, both of us, are really cheering for him. We're pulling for him because he's a great guy. He really is. He's got some demons, but he's a great guy. Yep. And we really wish him the best. Now, uh, Browns Jets tonight, like you mentioned, Thursday night football. I'm in Cleveland doing the game for uh, NFL Network, the pregame, the halftime, the postgame. 
I'm super pumped. Tonight, I'm going to be in the Muni lot with the men and the ah. women of Browns Nation, the Dog Pound. It's going to be amazing. I can't wait. I'm going to get crunk. There's going to be 73 Kolsch beer getting poured all over my face on the set. It's <laughs> going to be amazing. I can't wait. Hawk, what are you most excited for tonight, Jets, Browns? I'm most excited to see this defense dismantle Sam Darnold. Wow. Mm. This defense, I mean, if you look at how they made Ben Roethlisberger look, Drew Brees look, and again, I've said it before, but if you look at Tyrod Taylor, all he's done is outperform two Hall of Fame quarterbacks, right? And that defense has a huge part in that is because they're so freaking good. So hopefully they can maintain that. And for a young guy like Sam Darnold, I just want to see them break him down to the core, and that's what I expect to happen. I got the Browns winning tonight. I like it. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to watch if the Browns' offense is going to be able to get things going. They played a little bit better in week two in New Orleans. I think offensively with Todd Haley, they got a new offensive coordinator, new quarterback in Terod Taylor, a bunch of new weapons. And it, it a lot of times takes a little while to get comfortable with each other, to get uh, comfortable in the new system. And I expect big progress throughout the season. So are they going to be able to continue the progress that they made in week two from where they were in week one, right? If they're able to make that type of progress, it might be a big win for the Browns. Because like you mentioned, that defense the Browns have is a lot better, in my opinion, than the Jets' offense. So that should be a big mismatch. If the Browns' offense is able to play a little bit better than they did last week, I think their offense is better than the Jets' offense. So uh, that, to me, is a recipe for a 10-point-plus win. So if you're a better out there, I don't know what the spread is right now, but I'm sure it's like three and a half. And uh, I would go Browns. I'm just saying right now because I, I like feel it. a 10-point-plus victory coming on tonight. This episode is brought to you by HP+. In a world full of smart devices, shouldn't your printer be smart too? It is with HP+. These printers know when they're running low, so you always get the ink you need delivered right when you need it. Plus, you save up to 50% on ink, so you can print whatever you want, as much as you want, any time you want. Huh, that is pretty smart. Get six free months of instant ink when you choose HP+. Conditions apply. Visit hp.com slash smart for details. As we just recently talked about, I was the winner this last week in the DraftKings Listener League Week 2. But the overall winner was Blur with two R's, 330 with 201.84 points. Wow. Not still sure if that was good or not, but uh, over here at the Tomahawk Squad, I was 19th. And everyone else was way behind me. And I think the key for me was uh, my intimate knowledge of the receiving game, understanding the skill positions, and uh, overall just doing the opposite of whatever Hawk did. The, my, my favorite part about our Tomahawk Listener League, which everybody can go join, go check the results, make sure you signed up, use code H-I-K-E. My favorite part is that there's no linemen involved. Uh, <laughs> So anytime you okay. eliminate linemen, I'm all in on that kind of football. I was, I think, placed like 140, which is not great. I, I'm trending in the right direction because I wasn't even in the first week. So I've already <laughs> improved 60 slots. Yeah, it's been fun. I mean, with this uh, DraftKings League, we can switch up our lineup every week. So the shitty team that you had last week, Hawk, you've got an opportunity to improve on. And uh, you may even have a chance to get up there in the, the teens like I was last week. Uh, how about you guys? Zerm, Nat, how did you guys do? Um, guys, I didn't do great. I was, uh, I landed in, I think 84th place, but that is an improvement from week one when I took a tight end that didn't even play and I ended up in 124th <laughs> place. So we're, we're on the up and up. Nat, how did you do? 
Um, I did terrible. I was like in the last 50, I think. So <laughs> I'm, I'm close to giving up, but I'll try one more week. Nice. All right, Monte Davis, the good old quit at halftime, Nat over here. So, All right, well, hey, uh, we'll make sure to post whatever our, our uh, lineup is going to be on our social media pages before the games even begin. So if you guys are looking for uh, what not to do, go ahead and check out our social media pages at Tomahawk Show. Check out Hawk at Ad Hawk. Check me out at, at Joe Thomas 73 And uh, these other two clowns, I don't even know what their social media handles are, so I'll let you – uh, guys, give out your social media handles so people can find you and see the shitty roster that you guys put together. <laughs> oh, thanks, Joe, for that. Uh, I am at Clevesurm, uh, and you can see which tight end I pick that won't play every week. So just tongue trap that person. <laughs> and I am Fat Nat. That is with a P-H, not an F. Mm-hmm. P-H-A-T-N-A-T. Fat. Pretty hot and tempting. All right. Joining us, we have a special guest of the show back for his second appearance on the Tomahawk, former Pro Bowl center, New York Jet. Uh, not exactly Ryan Fitzpatrick, but Ryan Fitzpatrick did stick his hand in his butt for two years. Oh, boy. My guy, <laughs> Nick Mangled. Nick, welcome to back to the Tomahawk show, baby. Uh, thanks for having me back, and what a great introduction. You know, just having those memories <laughs> of guys sticking their hands in places that I don't think my wife's even gotten to. Um, just really, <laughs> uh, really makes me miss uh, the good old days, you know? Is that what you miss? She's missing out. Is that what you miss most about the league? Keep it, keep it <laughs> no, no, but it Was is it funny. As I've been sitting here. Uh, I'm coaching second grade flag football and um, getting the kids to do the quarterback center exchange and everyone giggling. And I'm sitting there thinking, like, I did this for 15 years with college and pros. Like, I think you guys will be fine. And they just don't wrap their heads around it. <laughs> like I said, it's funny. Called- this is real life. Yeah. Have you been called the Vince Lombardi of second grade football at all by any of the parents in your uh, second grade league yet? I mean, I'm sure they say it behind my back, but, uh, you know, they, they wouldn't. Uh, and I, obviously, I'm too humble to admit that uh, I am Vince Lombardi of second grade flag football. Um, but, you know, I've, I've heard the rumblings. <laughs> Humility is big on this show. That's all anybody ever. <laughs> oh. It's like it's all anyone ever talks about. So, so Nick, you, you spent your last two years with the Jets snapping for Ryan Fitzpatrick, who has lit the league on fire in the first two weeks of this season. What, what was your relationship like with Ryan Fitzpatrick, and, and what's your best Fitzmagic story? So uh, for Fitz, for me, and, and Joe, uh, you'll appreciate this because as an offensive lineman um, with as many quarterbacks as you had, um, Fitz coming in, he, it was amazing because it was the first time I had a quarterback who was my same age. And so if I made a reference to something that happened in childhood, he understood it where you, know, you make a reference to something in childhood to Sanchez and he was like, Oh, that's so old. You're old, you know, leave me alone. <laughs> um, and so it, it was neat to have that kind of connection and have uh, a, a guy come in uh, a signal a signal caller who um, would get my humor and would understand some of my references. And, you know, Fitz was great because he, he lived right behind me um, while his time here and, um and on the field too and on the field you know there was a lot of uh, front and back for us um (laughs) and it was just what really draws me to him was the fact of how much fun he has playing the game and um you know he doesn't take himself too seriously um he readily admits that his two older boys um have him ranked as their 17th favorite quarterback um (laughs) and you know you got to appreciate that when your kids are old enough to realize that you're not the greatest thing since sliced bread. 
Um, and, you know, to see him go out there and see him having fun uh, and sling that ball around, uh, I'm happy for him. So, obviously, he's uh, played amazing these first couple games of the season for Tampa Bay. And if you look back at his stats, there's a lot of people today that don't realize that he was a really good quarterback. He had some really good years back in uh, just a few years ago. 2015, he had 31 touchdowns to 15 interceptions, threw for almost 4,000 yards. I mean, those are the type of numbers that could take you to the Hall of Fame if you do that for over an entire career. What do you think the difference was in 2015 for Fitzpatrick versus 2016 where he flipped those numbers and actually only had 12 touchdowns and 17 interceptions? Yeah, you know, the uh, it's difficult because, you know, the, being my last year, you hate to end um, something like that. And, um, you know, it wasn't just Fitz's fault. Uh, there was a lot of things that went wrong in that year. Um, and so it, I'm glad that he had the ability to, to move on um, and find his way. And hopefully uh, whenever he decides to end it, he ends it on a much better note, you know. So are you surprised by what we're seeing out of Fitzpatrick right now? No, because he's got a great supporting cast. He knows his abilities. He knows his limitations. Um, and he takes advantage of those. And, you know, it's always joked that, oh, he went to Harvard. He's a smart guy. Um, but it is amazing how much football he knows and, you know, everything that he has up in his head. And, um, you know, the game is so simple for him. Um, and when he has the people around him that uh, can help um, and he doesn't try to do too much, uh, which is another caveat, um, you know, <laughs> I think he does well. I well, like that's a that. good point. You know, he, he's been a little bit up and down throughout his career. I think he was with the Dolphins last year, and he had, like, some unbelievable number of interceptions in uh, one of these games. And you said he doesn't take himself too seriously. Uh, we, we had this comment on the show uh, earlier in the week. We said that uh, his gas is really low, right? The gig-of-a-shit meter is real low on Fitzpatrick. So he's willing to go and wear Deshaun Jackson's goofy magician outfit after a game to the post-game press conference. And he has a lot of fun with it. He's doing things that you would never see a guy like Tom Brady do. But do you think maybe his lack of seriousness has held him back at all? Or do you think he's kind of just maybe hit his stride now and he'll be able to sustain the success for the foreseeable future for however long he decides to play? Yeah, you know, I, I don't know. Because I've, obviously he's got a lot of film um, and a lot of career and a lot of stats so you can point to all right well he did well here but then he tanked here and he did well there and then tanked there um, and so I think at this point in his career um, especially after being you know accepting the backup role being in a, a part of that um, you know really just kind of going out there and living his best life and you know I think he's enjoying it while it goes knowing that you know it probably will come crashing down at some point um, but might as well enjoy it while you're there you know. I like that. That's a guy. That was my next question. Cause he says that too. They were asking about, you know, his hot start. And he was like, look, I'm just enjoying the moment. I've been in this situation before it has come crashing down. So I'm not going <laughs> to think too much into it. So finish this statement for me, Nick. Mm -hmm. It's magic will come to an end on or around week blank. Ooh. Um, well, it's going to come to an crashing halt probably around week seven. Um, because Jameis is going to be back. He'll be, have been practicing with the team. There's going to be a bad game in there. And all of a sudden it's going to be, do we stick with Ryan? Do we go to with Jameis? Um, and it goes back and forth, back and forth. And I think the stress of it all um, is going to probably end up hurting the team more than it would help.
Well, that's a great question. The Bucks have a really difficult decision right now. Obviously, they've made Jameis Winston sort of the face of the franchise. He's the franchise quarterback, right? Number one overall pick. Uh, been a little bit up and down the last year or two of his career. What do you think they do once Jameis is healthy? I mean, is there any way that they can put Jameis back in and give him the the reins and make this his team again right now? Or does the Fitz magic have to come crashing down before they give the reins back to Jameis? I mean, I, and I, I don't envy the coaching staff in this situation because you look at it and let's say Jameis comes back um, and you put him in week one and he has a bad outing. Now, do you go back to Fitz and then, you know, play this back and forth game? Um, or, you know, when Jameis comes back and, you know, he's got to get back into football shape, he's got to get back into having the rapport with the receivers and the O-line and everything, then you give him a couple weeks. But if Fitz is still winning, you know, do you say, all right, you know, hey, you held it for us, now we're going to take over. Um, you know, is that going to look good for the receivers who now have a rapport with Fitz and say, hey, you know, I like how the ball flies this way, you know, compared to how Jameis throws it. I think it's just it's an unenviable position, um, you know, that was caused by an unfortunate suspension. All right. Well, here's a hypothetical for you. The Vince Lombardi of second grade flag football is all of a sudden the new Tampa Bay Bucks head coach as of tonight. Mm. Mm. Ryan Fitzpatrick loses this weekend against the Steelers. He throws for 220 yards, two TDs, two picks. You're the coach. Jameis Winston's coming back from suspension next week. Who's your starter? You know, Eric Mangini once said that, you know, answering hypotheticals will just get you in trouble because, you know. So let's get you in trouble, big guy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And you should know that, Joe. You you played for him. Um, I think it depends on what the performance was like because you can have the stat line that says, hey, he threw for 220, um, 50% completion. Two, two TDs and two interceptions. Were those interceptions blatant interceptions or were they, you know, a tip ball that should have been incomplete but just got guy got lucky and intercepted it? So you would have to take all those factors into account before deciding, and you'd have to see Jameis back. you got to see him at practice before you can decide because you don't know what has happened over these past three weeks. So it, I don't think it's an abrupt decision. I would definitely believe it would end up being – um, probably a Friday decision on who would start after seeing them, uh, after seeing the game being played out and then seeing Jameis in practice. You know what's crazy? I always make fun of Joe because he played with 137 quarterbacks <laughs> over his career. And they're like a crazy list from, from Brady Quinn to RG3 to Johnny Manziel. You might even have a crazier list than Joe, which includes outside of Fitzpatrick, Michael Vick, Tim Tebow, Brett Favre, Geno Smith, Chad Pennington, of all those quarterbacks, who was your least favorite? <laughs> who was my wow, least favorite? question. Least favorite. Awesome. That is, you know, <laughs> they were all my least favorite because none of them won me a Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah, I, like I love it. Who was, who was the funniest? Uh, the funniest was Fitz. Um, okay. The funniest yeah, unintentionally be. was Sanchez. Um, <laughs> oh. Because he would he would just do stupid stuff and you're like oh my god that is amazingly funny but you have no idea why it's funny. <laughs> I um, love that. Speaking of stupid stuff, what comes to mind when you think of the butt fumble? Um, you know, God's honest truth uh, is the disappointment for Brandon Moore, um, the right guard of the incident that you mentioned. Um, 
who was doing absolutely nothing except blocking Vince Wolfwork, uh, gets <laughs> run into and tripped because of Sanchez. And it makes it look like Vince completely dominated Brandon when he had no idea what was going on behind him. Um, and so, unfortunately, uh, he'll be forever tarnished as the butt of the incident um, that you mentioned. <laughs> I love how you refer to it as the incident, not actually butt fumble. Like yes. You won't say the word. <laughs> nah, I'm, just, I'm trying to get it to die because I, I feel bad for Brandon Moore at all. All Everything that happened in that, um, he gets the proverbial shit into the stick. Mm, mm, mm. You can't say those words on the Tomahawk show. This is a family program, right? Yeah, right. I thought that was legal. <laughs> it is so legal. Joe is full of shit, uh, to be yeah. honest. Uh, um, right. Last last thing we want to talk about, Mangle, and we don't want to, you know, we brought up some topics that are kind of hot button, so we don't want to do that. We want to end it on a fun note. Do you think Ohio State should fire Urban Meyer? <laughs> <laughs> Just hot takes all over the place. <laughs> um, I got to tell you, and this is God's honest truth, I have no idea what happened. Um, I didn't pay attention to it at all. And when you read articles, you have the people that hate Ohio State to say he should be fired. And the people who love Ohio State to say, uh, listen, it's no big deal. Let's move on. Um, and I have no idea. And without paying attention to it, um, I can't give it a proper uh, opinion because I really don't know. I love Appa it. You are such a vet. Apparently having three and a half kids uh, keeps me from really paying attention to what's going on in the world, unfortunately. Well done. I know the feeling. Well, I got a couple more questions. Hawk's trying to let you off easy with these real softball questions. <laughs> softball. <laughs> I want to hear a little bit about your thoughts on the roughing the passer rule that seems to be the hot topic, especially this week in the NFL. I've made it well known that I think it's totally ridiculous, especially the penalty that they threw on Clay Matthews, and then these clowns in the NFL came out this week and said, oh, yeah, that was the right call. That was definitely a roughing the passer for some ungod knows reason why. Nobody's yet to come out in front of that and explain why Clay Matthews' hit on Kirk Cousins was a roughing the passer. But, Nick, you've protected a lot of great quarterbacks in your day, including the great Fitz Magic and, of course, Brett Favre and Chad Pennington, a couple legends of the game. What do you think is going on with the NFL's roughing the passer penalty? Um, I think what they're doing um, is just trying to appease the, hey, we're doing everything for safety aspect, yet we're still trying to push for 18 games uh, for the players. And I think it's ridiculous. I think um, it's hampering the defensive guys. I think Clay got screwed uh, mentally, and I really hate defensive guys, uh, especially ones that go after the quarterback. So for me to say that, I think takes a lot. Um, and it's just disappointing because it, it's affecting the game and where a lot of times you'll hear, let the players play. Um, and when you put it in the ref's hands, you know, it tarnishes it. And, you know, I, I find um, that it's going to continue to hurt the game. Um, and I don't know how they're going to fix it. Well, you talked about the quarterback that you had. Obviously, the Jets selected Sam Darnold as their guy. He's played pretty well so far this season. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I like what I've seen out of him. Um, and, you know, I, I hate uh, the fact that it has to be in the New York market because everything is uh, either 100% hot or 100% cold. Um, and the biggest thing for me is I, I love his, you know, level-headedness. He seems to have, you know, he goes out the week one, he throws the 
pick six on his first throw, uh, which is probably your worst outcome you could expect. Um, but he come back in and, and, you know, played pretty strong. And then um, what impressed me again was Detroit comes out after going um, after halftime, goes down and scores, ties it up 17-17. He comes out, leads the team down um, and scores right back. And then they go on a scoring spree uh, from there. And that to me showed, um, you know, that he wasn't scared of the moment, you know, and that he was able to, to take it on um, and be the guy. Uh, this past week, you know, there you saw some of the rookie mistakes that you're going to expect to see. Um, and But he played through them, and he played well, and he kept the ball moving. Um, and I'm excited to see uh, his game this week um, to see, oh, against Cleveland. Ooh. Yeah, against the Browns, Thursday Night Football. I was going to say, man, I'm, I'm super excited. It's it's me versus you. We should put a little friendly bet in this game, you know? It's yeah, like $6,000. Both of our What's like two hundred million dollars, well, all of Hawks' money. Well, you know, I have no uh, idea what the point spread is. Sports betting is legal here in New Jersey, so if you need me to put some money on it for you, uh, <laughs> oh no, I've got my own bookie. I, I've been all over it since I got out of the game. Trust me, I'm <laughs> I'm, I'm throwing at least a, a cold hard Lincoln on that game as soon as I get off the phone here. <laughs> I don't. I, what's funny to me is as after I was done playing, and you know, I was like, oh, you know, sports betting. I should have a pretty good handle on this. You know, after playing the game, I should be able to understand the teams and who's going to win and the over-unders and everything. And I suck so bad. Um, <laughs> it's downright scary. And it's, it's been rather eye-opening uh, that I really don't know as much as I think I know. That's kind of like me and Joe in the media game. <laughs> yeah, we thought we'd be so good. We still have yet to have somebody download our podcast. <laughs> Well, hey, let me, one. let me talk about one thing. One, all right, maybe it was you. That might have been my mom, or it could have been Nick Mangle that downloaded last week. I'm not sure. We'll have to go check the uh, Nielsen ratings. <laughs> check out the IP Well, hey, man, trip. yeah, we, we've taken up a lot of your time already, but I got one more question for you because I want to make sure that that one listener that downloads will hit pause and never come back to this podcast right here <laughs> with this next line of questioning, right? Nick, who is your favorite offensive lineman to watch in 2018. I am the listener that is checking out. <laughs> I didn't know what I want to hear about. <laughs> see you guys in 10. You know, uh, the one I'm, I'm excited to see, and it's because it's close to home, so I, I get to, you know, watch the development, um, is, and I'm, of course, now that you put me on the spot, I'm blanking on it. I think it's Hernandez, the uh, rookie guard for the Giants that uh, they picked up. He was uh, bare during training camp, getting into a, a scuffle with Snacks Harrison. You know, it was it was good to see, you know, a rookie kind of fighting back. And, um, you know, I'm excited to watch him and, and see that development. And then, of course, on my beloved Jets, uh, our right tackle, Brandon Shell. Um, he his development. He was a rookie my last year. Uh, his development since then uh, has been pretty impressive. He's been working hard. Um, and so I'm, I'm enjoying watching him grow as well. So I'm work, walk, uh, working for NFL Network for the Thursday night game here, Browns uh, Jets. And I'm going to be watching the game live and in person. I'm pretty excited. Is there anybody on that offensive line that I should focus in on during that game? Is there a matchup that I, I need to definitely keep my eyes peeled for? Well, what's your, uh, what's your defensive line looking like? What are you, what are They're you pretty solid, with? man. Uh, Miles Garrett's a stud. They got this guy inside, Larry Ogunjobi, who's tied for the lead in the NFL for inside player sacks. Can you say that so, name again? Uh, Larry Ogunjobi. Hmm. And that's the proper Second -year guy. pronunciation? <laughs> I think so, but I'm not exactly positive. Now you've got me questioning myself. But <laughs> anyways, 
anyway, I think those guys are going to destroy your offensive line. So uh, <laughs> how about how do you like them apples? Now, does the Larry fella, does he bounce right and left or does he stay on one side? He'll move all over, so he, he can dominate. But who, who's the best lineman the Jets have? Ooh, that's a tough call. I'm going to go with – it's a toss-up. Um, the guards, I think, are their best. you got Brian Winters and James Carpenter. Um, Carp is a mountain of a human um, who just mauls people. Brian's a little bit more of a technician, a little smaller. Um, but they're both pretty solid guards. And I don't know if I could give an edge to one or the other. I mean, Carp's good. Brian's good. Brian's coming off an injury uh, from last year, so he's trying to prove himself. So I'll give him, but Carp's coming up on a contract year, I think. So there's a lot going on um, yeah. on the Jets' offensive yeah. line. Um, in an attempt to try to include myself into some O-line talk, um, <laughs> when he comes off the ball low and keeps his leg at his front when he pulls, um, is he is he really good? So when he pulls, yes, his leverage is good. Okay. You know, and he starts with his hand in the ground. Um, yes, that's called a, that's a three-point stance. Yeah. Um, yes. And so, hands inside too is a thing that I've heard a couple of times. Yeah, well, you got to have the inside hand down. I mean, that's a given. Yeah, of course. That's, Naturally, one on one. You know, we <laughs> teach our second graders that and flag. Um, but it it's going to be a good matchup in the trenches, especially with those pass rushers that they had. They had a little trouble uh, with Miami uh, with their pass rushers. Um, so hopefully, on a short week, you know, you don't have a lot of time to prepare. You're just trying to get um, recovered from the train wreck that you were involved in on Sunday ready to get into another one on Thursday. So um, hopefully they can get it together mentally um, and their bodies are ready for it um, Thursday. But I think the matchup with Miles Garrett, because um, he bounces around too, right? He's right and left. Yeah, he'll play inside. They'll switch him inside on third down if they've got a matchup that they like. So um, you could see him all over. He does primarily play over the left tackle, however. Left tackle? They're so overrated. I mean, they, are. they get paid too much. They do for doing nothing because the real pass rushers go to the right tackle because they know the left tackle is already there. So they might as well go against the right one. And so now they're no, they know the left tackle's better. That's why they put him over the right tackle because that guy's a stiff. Well, yes, but then the left tackle is getting paid gajillion dollars to do nothing because he's going against yeah, the to second good. best pass rusher. He's the supermodel of the offensive line. He gets paid a bunch of money to look good and stand there. When we were in Cleveland, they would constantly motion me down to help Joe. <laughs> That's so true. And I'm like, oh, man, man, we got a matchup problem here. We need to get our best blocking receiver <laughs> in here to get a good chip on this guy to give him help. All right. Well, hey, now that everybody has stopped listening to this podcast that <laughs> thought about downloading it because of our silly offensive line talk, we're going to have to let you go. I know you got a baby coming, and uh, we do appreciate your time, Nick. Thank you so much. Huge fan of everything that you've done throughout your career, and I know you're a friend of the Tomahawk and an avid listener, in avid spite listener. of being only, only one of few that download. So thank you very much for being on the show with us, and we'd love to have you on to chat again. Thank you, guys. I appreciate you having me. All right, guys, let's move on to our next segment. I want to know what your Tomahawk matchups of the weekend are. Okay, I'll go first. I, my matchup of the week, which I really don't know if I care about as much, but it just is a segue into what I really want to talk about. My matchup is the Bucks versus Steelers because Fitz Magic. We we talked about that with our guy Nick Mangold. Is the Magic going to continue? But more importantly, are the Steelers the most dysfunctional team in the AFC North now? That's a legit question because shit's going haywire over there. You got AB talking about talking trade talk, skipping days. You got Le'Veon not there. You got sideline uh, hustle and bustle going on. And like I said, I would make the 
argument that they're the most dysfunctional team in the division. Nobody's happier than those folks in Cleveland right now to see the Steelers crash and burn. That organization <laughs> that's been on top forever is uh, looking like shit, and people love the Browns right now. So it's, it's a good day to be a Browns fan. My matchup of the week I'm watching is Saints-Falcons, right? NFC South, why would a guy from the AFC North who lives in the Midwest care about that game? I'll tell you why. Because those are two teams that I thought were going to be stellar at the beginning of the season. Both of them have stumbled a little bit early on. We don't really know who they are yet. It's kind of like, who are they and what are they going to be this year, right? Are they going to take a turn for the worse this week? I think Because I think whatever team loses in this game is going to have a really, really tough season, right? Whoever wins this game, I think this is going to be a pivot point for the rest of the season, and they're going to be able to right the ship and have a really good season. So Saints-Falcons, two big-time big, big time high-flying offenses. Whoever wins this one is bound for a good season. Whoever loses this one is screwed. Sounds good. Let's move on. Let's hear your Tomahawk individual battles of the week. Individual battles. My individual battle of the week is Patriots wide receiver Josh Gordon, which sounds weird to say, but Patriots wide receiver Josh Gordon versus the Patriots playbook. Mm. He ha- they got a new toy in New England, and I don't think they're going to wait to use it. I think they're going to throw him out there, and it'll come down to what they're asking him to do and if he can put it all together within a couple of days that he's been there in order to help the Patriots kind of uh, kick forward and, and get over top of the Lions. My individual battle to watch is the Michael Jordan of today's NFL I'm not talking about Deshaun Watson. I'm talking about Patrick Mahomes, friend of the show, great guy. This guy's setting the league on fire. Ten touchdown passes in the first two weeks. Andy Reid has got the perfect offense customized around him. He's got all those weapons. It's going to be him versus Jimmy G and Kyle Shanahan. That's going to be a fun battle to watch. I think that the fire continues with Patrick Mahomes, but don't be surprised if that's a big shootout there this weekend. That's going to be a fun one to watch. You know what's crazy about the Mahomes stuff? We had Cliff Kingsbury on who, again, I said it before, NFL teams should be paying him to, to develop their quarterbacks. But we had him on the show, and here's what he said. Tell me about Mahomes. What's special about him, and how do you think he's going to fare in Kansas City? Yeah, his, his arm talent is, is as good as, I mean, the best I've ever seen as far as just being able to throw from different platforms, different angles, off balance. So I think the sky's the limit. Yeah. I, I got to watch him three years in practice, and, and, make, and he just made throw after throw. You're like, how did he do that? I, I mean, I, I truly believe he'll be, you know, the highest paid player in the history of the game when his contract comes up. I think he's that good. Wow. Highest paid. He'll be the, the highest paid in NFL history. That is wild because the first two weeks, everyone's acting all surprised. Cliff ain't surprised, man. And you know what else about Patrick Mahomes? He came out this week and Pro Football Talk wrote a great article that I loved reading because it confirmed everything I've been saying about the great Baker Mayfield, that the best thing for him this year is to sit and watch and learn the entire season because it's going to make him a better quarterback next year and in the long term because I've seen too many rookie quarterbacks get ruined when they get thrown out there too early on a team that they're not ready to quarterback. And Patrick Mahomes is setting the world on fire like we just mentioned, and a lot of that he says is because he got to watch and listen last season so i expect great things to continue out of the michael jordan of today's nfl patrick mahomes all right and next segment i want to hear what your favorite hate watch game of the weekend is going to be where you hate to watch it but you really just can't turn away from the screen my hate watch game all right my hate watch game is going to be the cardinals versus the bears because the cardinals offense is terrible 
and the Bears' defense is ridiculous, even would venture to say that everyone's talking about Mahomes, everyone's talking about Fitzmagic. The person most likely to sustain their MVP-like performance is Khalil Mack, and he should be in the conversation so far as MVP leading. So I would also say maybe the MVP of the league could be John Gruden and the Raiders when they traded Khalil Mack. (laughs) Because without that, I mean, would we even be talking as much about Khalil Mack? But I think the uh, way everybody's focused on it is clearly a lot of it has been also because he just got traded and nobody could believe that you would trade the best pass rusher in the game right now at the height of his career for measly two first-round picks. I want to say he has the same amount of sacks, the same amount of interceptions, the same amount of forced fumbles and defensive touchdowns by himself that the whole Raiders defense has so far this season. <laughs> well, that's the funny thing is the Raiders defense is not very good. And so they clearly could have used a guy like Cleo Mack. All right, let's be honest. Everybody could have used Cleo Mack, but especially the Oakland Raiders. But uh, that's for another conversation. Well, my hate watch game of the week is the Cowboys versus the Seahawks, right? If the Seahawks go to 0-3, which I am predicting, can you imagine what Pete Carroll's face is going to look like on the sideline? Is he going to give up chewing gum? I don't know. We don't know. But shit is hitting the fan in Seattle. What they thought was a cleanse for younger and better on defense just turns out to be younger and worse and not as good and more losing it's going to be an interesting weekend there in seattle if they go to zero and three and there's going to be a lot of calls for maybe some changes and uh, that seat might be getting a little bit hot up there in seattle i'm looking forward to hearing about if you guys are actually going to watch these games all the way through (laughs) um now i want to hear what your incorrect hot takes of the weekend are going to be you guys have been on fire with those so let's hear what these weeks are going to be we have been on fire and we should play those right now my incorrect prediction Ryan Fitzpatrick will throw for 400 yards. 99% sure it's not going to happen. I'm going to do it anyway. Fitzmagic, back in the building. My incorrect prediction is going to be that Houston Texans are going to get throttled by the Tennessee Titans. Look at that. Would, would you look at that, Joe? We actually know what we're talking about. This is, this is turning into be a real show. This is more than just public access TV, two guys in their mom's basement talking onto a VHS cassette. We got to start charging here soon. All right, my uh, sure to be incorrect hot take, the thing that has a 1% chance of happening, I got the Chargers beating the LA Rams in the Battle of LA. The Rams are super talented and they've been hot and everybody's been loving them, which is justified. But I just, for some reason, I feel like these are the kind of games Phillip Rivers wins. Not playoff games, but these regular season big games. I had the Chargers actually winning this game. I've always loved Phillip Rivers. He's probably the most underrated guy of our generation because he spent all of his career in San Diego and nobody's really known how great he actually is because he's never really won much. Yeah. Stuck out there in, in the other California cities, now in L.A. My hot take that is sure to be incorrect, which is the best thing I've done on the Tomahawk show this 2018 NFL season, is Carson Wentz versus Andrew Luck in the paper mache body bowl. (laughs) And Carson Wentz is going to come back this week. He's not going to have any rust. He's going to throw for four touchdowns, and they are going to beat the doors off of the Indianapolis Colts Wherever it's being played, I'm not sure, but it's going to be a big game for Carson Wentz. Mark my words. Andrew Luck, he's going to leave that game in a body bag. Yeah, I, I like how you call it the paper mache bowl because there's going to be braces. There's going to be walkers, casts. They might play 
and just all kind of bandaging just to protect both of those guys. Such incredible quarterbacks, but getting hurt really does put a damper on your career as a QB, man. And it's too bad. Carson Wentz has only been hurt once, but he has <laughs> only sucks. been hurt a few years. So Andrew Luck is the guy that never seems to be able to stay on the field these days. All right. What's next, Nat? Next, we got our Tomahawk Locks of the Week. So I want to hear everybody's Lock of the Week. Who's for sure winning this weekend? Well, ladies first, Nat. So give us, give us your Tomahawk Lock of the Week. So my Tomahawk Lock of the Week is the Chicago Bears. Um, Khalil Mack has been on fire, and I kind of just like watching Raiders fans suffer. So much. <laughs> uh, the Bears are my Lock of the Week. Okay, I like that. So my, my Lock of the Week is the Bengals over the Panthers, and the Bengals will improve to 3-0. and oh. There's so many Andy Dalton haters out there, and as you know, that was my first quarterback. Um, and I have a great relationship with Andy, but I think he's an underappreciated quarterback. I think because he has red hair, people like to talk crap on him. But I think he's actually really good, and I think he has a big bounce-back season. So far, so good. And I think they beat the Panthers. I was listening to one of these ESPN radio shows this week, and I think it was the Lebertard show, and they were actually talking about Troy Aikman and the career he had and, and how he's a Hall of Fame quarterback. Obviously, he's been a great announcer for a long time, but people forget that when you look at his numbers, he actually has worse career stats than Andy Dalton. And like all across the board. Yeah. Like Andy Dalton has more receiving yards, touchdowns, anything you can imagine. Andy Dalton is better than Troy Aikman. But it's obviously a different generation. And it's and you're right. People always just seem to hate on Andy Dalton. I'm not sure exactly why that is. Yeah, it's a different generation. But also, Troy Aikman played with all Hall of Famers. I mean, I'm not Troy Aikman hating. I just feel like when you look at Andy Dalton's numbers, he's just underappreciated. He also has better numbers than Carson Palmer. And Carson Palmer just got his own football life. And I'm not hating on Carson Palmer, but I'm just saying <laughs> no one's suspecting that Andy is going to get a football life. And he does actually play really well, and his numbers do back that up. Yeah, no, we're actually big Andy Dalton fans here on Tomahawk Show. And even the fans in Cincinnati don't appreciate Andy Dalton. That's you what I mean. You hear rumblings all the time about how they need to get a new quarterback. I mean, they got a franchise quarterback who's really doing really well. I mean, I think our, our Cleveland lens is like, oh, man, you don't know what you got until it's gone. We would <laughs> gladly take Andy Dalton at points in time in, in Cleveland. Who's your lock oh. of the week, Joe? My lock of the week? This is an easy one. This is the easiest one that I've had really since we've started this lock of the week, which I think has been one week, maybe two weeks. Famous the last Vikings, <laughs> The Vikings over the hapless Buffalo Bills, man. I feel sorry for the Buffalo Bills, right? They can't figure out what they want to do at quarterback. They got a defensive coordinator playing head coach that just wants to make competition at the, at the quarterback position instead of instilling confidence in the poor guys. They, they got all sorts of messes across their uh, offensive line. Everything on that entire team is, is in shambles. And they're going against Mike Zimmer, who's a great head coach, and the Minnesota Vikings, who are really starting to roll. They got Kirk Cousins playing pretty well, just like you'd kind of expect. He's, he's that pretty good quarterback. He's not great. He's not average. He's pretty good. They got a defense that's top five easily in the nfl maybe the best defense in the nfl and uh unfortunately for the bills they're gonna get squashed they're gonna get smoked they're gonna get beaten like <laughs> andy dalton stepchilds it's gonna be ugly and uh i love the vikings they're my lock of the week okay firm who you got who's, who's your lock of the week all right guys so i know joe is a a known deshaun watson texans hater but i Not am true taking, i'm a I, realist <laughs> I am taking the Texans to get off the schneid this week 
I think, you know, Deshaun Watson may not be Michael Jordan, but he's going to go Scottie Pippen this week. He's going <laughs> to he's gonna, he's gonna take the Texans to the promised land, and they're going to go one and two. I am taking the Texans over the uh, not-so-great-looking Giants, who uh, not a whole lot's going right for them right now. So I'm taking the Texans. All right, we've been doing our picks here on the Tomahawk Show. Nat, looking at these numbers, we got Firm 1 with 10 out of 16 picks. We had Natty Ice with 9 for 16. Finally. That's, that's decent. She has a bounce-back game. Never scored a TD, went 8 for 16. Chuck Old went 7 for 16. I went 8 for 16. My man uh, Pegs went 6 for 16. And last place, well, actually, no, Pegs is last place. But Joe yeah. bringing up the rear still overall with a 7 for 16. Just terrible picks per usual. Oh, man, I'm the worst at this. I, I don't know why I'm so bad. And I, Nick Mangle, he touched on that earlier in the show. Like, as former players, we have so much ego and, like, how much we know about the game that we think we can just look at these games and prognosticate based on whatever it is that we think <laughs> we know. And we're always wrong. We're idiots. You know what? I think it's you pick with your heart. I think it just takes a while as former players yeah. to stop picking with your heart and your preconceived notions that you developed as players. But Dude, there's no doubt. You you have like these friends throughout the league and you have these coaches you either don't like because you work for them or you know right. other guys that played for them and they don't like them or they like them. And then we're just biased. You know, I guess that's human nature. There's that, there's bias that comes in. And, and thankfully when I'm throwing my bets in every week, it's like five and $10. It's not like five and $10,000 or I would not be buying any more of those $2,000 coffee makers. Let me tell you that much. <laughs> Well, we just got some news here to the Tomahawk, which we won't go too far into, but there's a report on Twitter that says Josh Gordon's locker is right next to Tom Brady's. Wow, crazy. Who would have thought Belichick is going to put their potentially next best player that they're trying to get under wraps next to Tom Brady? <laughs> Breaking news. Hot take. All right, now we got a new segment that we're trying out on the Tomahawk show that uh, I'm really excited about because we've got our fearless audiovisual do it all behind the scenes girl at <laughs> Nat, which I, I don't really know what her whole name is, but I know it's Natalie and we call her fat Nat cause that's her, uh, her, uh, Twitter handle. And of course her nickname around these parts is uh, natty ice and it's going to be called the ask Nat segment where me Hawk, all the listeners can ask Nat whatever we want under the sun. And we'll hopefully get at least five to 10 minutes soliloquy from Nat that answers our question. So here's, here is my first question in this great Ask Nat segment. Nat, what's your favorite color? My favorite color is teal. I love that color. And purple. Where did you go to college? I went to Cal State Northridge in LA. But you're a San Fran girl? I am. I was born and raised in the Bay Area, and I moved here right after high school to come to Northridge. And how did you end up as a member of Team Tomahawk? Well, it was a long journey. Um, I'll make it short. I started off as an intern at Uninterrupted exactly a year ago um, in the podcast department. And then once my internship was over, that was when I graduated and was looking for a job. So I inquired to stay here. It ended up working out. I became part-time and then I transitioned to full-time a few months ago. And I've been working on the Tomahawk show since it launched back in January, I believe. And now I'm here in front of microphone, which is pretty crazy. Just like that. We are here breaking talent on the Tomahawk show, Joe. 
I wish I could say that we were the ones that uncovered her, but I'm pretty sure it's never scored a TD or one of these other clowns that works for us. No, actually I, found her. I never scored a TD, found her. But Nat can back this up. It was my idea to make her talent. It was. Really? I can confirm. I, that was my. That was my doing. What a guy. That was my You're doing. You're so smart. All right. So make All sure right. you send in your questions for for Nat for our Ask Nat segment. We'll try to do every show or at least every week so we can get as weird as we possibly want. Um, Joe, what do you got? Yeah, you know, those are some easy, like boring ones, but I actually do have an interesting one that I, I would like to ask. Are we going to I Hopefully you have an answer because for those of you that uh, were not a member of Team Tomahawk here, I ask her a little bit more difficult question to start it off there beforehand. I ask her what gives you hope and there was no answer because that was a little too deep for the first Ask Nat. So we want softball, but now I want to ask, ask something that is sort of interesting. What is your favorite place on earth, Nat? My favorite place on earth. That's difficult. But the first thing that comes to my mind is Armenia for whoever has never heard of that country. Wow. That's um, I'm half Armenian. My mom is Armenian. Um, and I've been there three times for different occasions. One of them was the first time I went to just sightsee and explore the country. And it was also the first time that my mom had been there. She wasn't born there, but um, it's just a beautiful country full of culture. And it's home to me. It's where it's the culture that I grew up learning and being surrounded by. So that's my favorite place in the world. Who's that's the most, cool. who's the oh, most I, famous Armenian? Kim Kardashian, right? Un, uh, yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we have, we have a lot of other famous Armenians. If I'm sure everybody knows the band system of a down, they're all Armenian, full Armenian. No kidding. <laughs> when you say sure, everybody knows. Not Hawk. I have never heard of that man in my life. Yeah. Hawk is, he's so one genre of music, it's ridiculous. He, he doesn't know anything but hip hop. It's uh, pretty much uh, the problem with Hawk. He's got, he has got no culture. He's got no broad uh, <laughs> brushes that he, he strokes his life with. Have they ever collaborated with the Migos? <laughs> yes, no, but I'm, I'm going to make that happen. That's, that's my next project. Awesome. Maybe they'll no, both I'm, collaborate for the intro to the Tomahawk show. Yeah, that'd be amazing. No, I'm, I'm actually, you know, I'm a big foodie, so I'm curious. You've piqued my interest with this Armenian thing. Is there one dish in Armenia and uh, Armenia or Armenian culture that really comes to mind when you're thinking about like uh, the motherland or like growing up in your household? Ah, oh, there's so many. The food is so good. I mean, it overlaps with a lot of Mediterranean food that oh. everybody knows, like kebabs and all that kind of stuff. But if I have to go with my favorite food, it's called boregs. So what that is, it's like a cheese pastry um, that can be, it can have meat in it. It can have spices in it, it spinach, all different kinds of uh, things that can go in it. But it's like a delicious meal. And you know what? I might just post the recipe for it and I might make it for my tomahawk squad. Oh, now we're talking. There we go. See, what? we're already productive on the Ask Nat segment. We've already uh, done really great things here. We're giving the Armenian culture a, a gift to the world. There showing you go. everybody the great food and great recipes of uh, Armenia. So, well, I guess that wraps up our uh, Ask Nat segment unless... Mr. Hawkins has uh, any great questions? No, I mean, I think you guys pretty much nailed it. I'll come more correct next week. I'm going to do my research on that band. What is it called? Dave Matthews Band? Yeah, they sound great. Um, so we're going to, I think that does it for today's Tomahawk Show. Make sure you follow us on social at Tomahawk Show. Tweet us using the hashtag Tomahawk. Make sure you're checking in our listener league. Go to DraftKings. Use promo code H-I-K-E. Join us. Compete against us. Lose against us. As if I must humbly say so myself, subscribe, rate the podcast five stars. 
Joe, any final thoughts? Oh, the final thoughts. It's always tough, but I uh, can't wait to watch the Vikings over the Bills this weekend. I'm, I'm putting big bucks on that one. Big bucks. You're going to lose it just through jinxing it. All right. I got to make enough money for a new coffee maker. <laughs> Natty Ice, for the sake of Armenia, take us out. Go hawk yourself. <laughs>